Well, I sure wouldn't have wanted to miss that. So thank you, choir, so much for that. Now, John chapter 14, verses 23 through 29. Follow along with me on your Bible or up on the screen here. Bible in the pew rack in front of you or on your church app. John 14, beginning with verse 23. Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the words that you hear, it's not mine, but it's from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It was about a year ago, about this time of the year, that we first found out that we were coming to Gadsden, Alabama to be pastor at First United Methodist Church. And we were so excited, but we had no clue. We had all kinds of questions because, I mean, all these things were running through our mind. What was Gadsden going to be like? What was the church going to be like? What was the high school going to be like? What was the parsonage was going to be like? I mean, we just had all these questions flying through our mind. And so I got to come down. It was about this time of the year, but a few weeks earlier maybe, and I met with the staff parish committee, and uh, I, George Day took me all around town and showed me where everything was. Not that I was going to remember, but he pointed everything out. Um, and then uh, uh, Pastor Harvey and Lana invited me to come over uh, to see the parsonage, because that's always what you want to know when you're the moving preacher, what the parsonage looks like. We had already done a drive-by, by the way, because just a little secret, when you find out you're going somewhere, you, you drive by, look, you know. We'd already done a drive-by, but Harvey and Lana invited us in and were so gracious to open the door to us, even though I knew that they knew what we knew, that there would be boxes everywhere because they were getting ready for their own move, and also that their son Dave was so sick. But even so, they were so so humble and so gracious and invited us in to see the parsonage. And uh, So I got to look around at everything, and I was instructed by my wife to take pictures because my wife and my kids were going to know what they want think what things look like too so I took lots of pictures I'm not a good picture taker but I took lots of pictures and got to see all everywhere the, the whole thing the garage the closet all of that but do you know what one of the first things that my wife wanted to know about the new parsonage was she wanted to know if there were screens on the windows and there's a story behind that because the house that we had lived in for the last six years was a wonderful house, beautiful house. It just didn't have screens on the windows. So really the only time, and, and my sweet wife loved to open the windows in the spring and in the fall and let the breeze come in and air the house out. But the only time we opened the windows at this last house was when something burned in the oven and we had to get the smoke out because the smoke alarms were going off and we would be fanning and opening the windows. 
So she was, she was wondering, and so I texted her as I was looking through the house. I said, good news, sweetie. We got screens. And she's like, woohoo, screens. It's the little things, right? Open doors and open windows. And that's what I've been thinking about this week as I've looked at this passage in John chapter 14. It was part of this discourse that Jesus had with his disciples on the last evening he had with them before his crucifixion. So many things in that discourse. and I mean, he, he instituted the Lord's Supper in that discourse. He washed their feet and he, he did so many things and he was really trying to get them to hold two things together that seemingly can't be held together. One is... Um, I'm going away, and one is, but I'm not going to leave you. And they were confused, and they had all these questions in their mind. And, and Peter asked a question during this course of, of conversation. Thomas asked a question. Philip asked a question. And just before this passage that I read for you today, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, the other Judas, asked a question. And this, what we just read this morning was a response to that. And it's a response I really, you could think, uh, uh, is a response that can be summed up in two ways. And if you are uh, an outline follower and if you are a blank filler inner, then this would be where you would jump on. The first thing is open the doors. Just open the doors. This incredible offer that Jesus made in verse 23 should just blow our minds. Listen to what he said. Those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. We'll come make our home there. Wow. To think that we serve a God who, who pursues and seeks a relationship with us. A God who stands at the door and knocks and wants to be with us. We call that prevenient grace. We Methodists call that prevenient grace. The grace that goes before we ever give an answer to God. God is there seeking us, looking for us. Ever since the Garden of Eden, it's God who comes and God who looks for us. Do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned and when God came in the cool of the evening walking in the garden and Adam and Eve hid from God as if you could hide from God? But God said, where are you? Now I want you to stop and think, this is God who's talking here. God who no one can hide from. God didn't say, where are you? Because God didn't know where they were. God said, where are you? Because Adam and Eve needed to know where they were. He needed them to stop and say, wait a minute. We're trying to hide from God. That can't be good. So let's pause here for just a second and let those words from so long ago ring in our spirit today. This God who is seeking all of us is saying, where are you? I'm standing at the door knocking. I want to bring amazing things into your life. I literally want to make a home with you. Will you open the door? When I let my mind go back to the Christmas of 1991, I, I think it was a memorable Christmas, but, but not memorable in a good way, mostly. Uh, this was a time that I was at a very low and dark place in my life. And I was, uh, if it had been left up to me, I would have just been like the Scrooge and just canceled Christmas because I was feeling so bad. I was in a dark place. I was going through a divorce and I felt like the biggest failure in the world. 
I didn't feel like celebrating. I didn't feel like being, I really didn't feel like being around anyone. So I stayed at home and I pulled the shades down. And for the first time in my life, I didn't even put up a Christmas tree. So I hope that you never experience a Christmas like that. Um, but I want you to know that if you happen to be in a place like that, that God doesn't forget about you. See, I had this church organist at the time. Her name was Tammy. And we weren't dating any time. Dating wasn't even on our radar at the time. That's how we met, though. She was the church organist at the church I was serving. And Tammy, being the compassionate person she was, found out how low and how depressed I was, and she decided that maybe she could help. So one afternoon, I was uh, there in the house with all the shades pulled down, just moping, and I hear a knock on the door, and I go to the door and open it, and there stands Tammy, dragging a big Christmas tree behind her. And I know I must have looked like a deer in the headlights because I was standing there with my mouth open just staring like, what in the world? And she was standing there holding the end of this Christmas tree. And so after a while, she said, are you going to help me or am I going to have to just stand here and hold this thing? And so I, I said, oh, okay, I guess I'll help you. So we drug the Christmas tree in the house. And not only had she gone and got me a Christmas tree, she had gone, she'd gotten lights and decorations pencil and all of that kind of stuff and on top of that she insisted that I help her put this Christmas tree up in my living room so I say to you how could I help but fall in love with somebody like that but let me also ask you this what if I hadn't let her in what if I had not let her in I look back on 26 years later and three children later what if I had not let her in the door? What wonderful things in my life would I have never seen if I had not opened that door? I want you to know God is on our doorstep wanting to bring wonderful gifts inside. And it's up to us. Are we just going to stand there, look through the peephole and think, should I or shouldn't I? Or maybe we're just going to open the little crack and leave the security chain on and say, I don't know about this, God. Or will we just open the door up and welcome in a God who wants to make his home with us? Wants to make his home with us. The word home in verse 23 is it's really kind of cool because it's used again in verse 2 in a verse that I'll bet you're familiar with where Jesus says, In my Father's house, are many mansions, are many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place, a home for you. That's the same word that's used in verse 23 when God wants to make his home with us. So let's to really grab a hold of this. Let's hear Jesus saying, look, I'm going to prepare a home for you, right? So that someday you're going to be there with me for eternity. But in the meantime, if you'll open the door, we'll come and make our home with you so that you'll have heaven on earth right now. Are we going to just stand there? Or are we going to open up to this God who loves us unconditionally and start to learn how to fall in love with that God? When we do, when we live with open doors, then we'll find God making a home in us, and we'll also find God opening doors of opportunity for us to go and serve others. That's how the door thing works when they're open. It's called really open-doored living, and 
I like what Matthew 5.16 says in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. It, when Jesus is talking about you're a city set on the hill and let your light shine and don't hide it under a bushel. This is what Matthew 5.16 says in the message. Now that I've put you on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Keep open house. I really love that. So, open the doors and then open the windows. Remember how I said you, to you that on this last evening with his disciples, Jesus was trying to get them to hold two things in tension. One, I'm going to go away. And one, I'm not going to leave you. The way that works, the way you can hold both of those things together is verse 26. When Jesus promises that the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would come. And on Pentecost, that's what happened. The Holy Spirit came in like a rushing wind and filled the place where they were praying and filled everybody in that upper room. And the word for spirit and the word for wind is the same word in Hebrew. So it's like the wind. If you can picture your life as a house, the Holy Spirit wants to be the breeze that comes through the open window and blows out all of the stale and musty smells and, and all the stuff in the house that needs to get blown out and refreshes and revives and fills. Have you ever been in a house that's been closed up for a while? How does it, how does it feel when you go into a house that's been closed up for a while? I see some of you making a face. You're making that face like, ooh. That's how it feels when you go into a place. And I remember years ago, I think it was Lysol, had an advertisement and they invented a new word that really kind of became part of pop culture. Houseatosis. Do y'all remember that? I, I kind of latched on that as a kid, and every time I went into a place, and I, I'd say, oh, Mom, this place has houseatosis. But I think we have spiritual houseatosis when we keep the windows of our lives shut to the breeze of the Holy Spirit, and things get stale, and things get musty. And this Holy Spirit who wants to blow into our lives and fill and empower and guide and refresh us, when we close up our lives, it's really, really sad. Paul writes it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Do not quench the spirit. In other words, don't put the window down. Sometimes it's just one area of our life. Sometimes we have this grudge that we've been nursing for a while, and we got a little grudge room in the back of our, our spiritual house, and we keep that window closed. Or maybe we have a hurt or a hang-up that we're just not over or a habit that we've been struggling with. We're just keeping that little part closed off. But God wants us to open up. Just throw open the windows. I think it's time we do that. Don't you? The Holy Spirit wants to be that breath of fresh air. So what will happen if we do that? If we open doors and windows, we've already said that God will make a home with us and then make a home for us. That the Holy Spirit will refresh us. And start to work on that spiritual house apostasis that we have. And then I think finally we can learn to do the two most important things in life. We can learn to do what Jesus said when he said, keep my words. We can learn to love God and love, love one another. See, over and over again in this chapter, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my words. If you love me, you'll keep my words. 
Well, Jesus said a lot of words. It makes me wonder, what words are you talking about? And in context, if we look at John 13, 34, which is part of the same discourse, he said these words to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you. That's the words he wants us to keep. To love God and to love one another. As I say that, I look out at you and I know that that's easier to say than it is to do. Because we all could close our eyes and picture in our minds the people in our lives that are just difficult to love. Just difficult. But here's the good news. When we have open doors lives and we have open windowed lives, that means that God makes his home with us and God is love. That means the Holy Spirit can blow into our lives and the fruit of the Spirit is love. And as Paul reminds us in Romans 5, 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When we really open our doors and open our windows, then God can love through us. Do you see how that goes? God who is love can love others through us. When Jesus walked this earth, he was love in a human body. He was love in action. And when I say action, I mean he didn't just say, I love you. He actually healed the sick and fed the hungry and gave good news to the poor and went about doing good and welcomed the children and broke bread with the tax collectors and taught the multitudes and washed his disciples' dirty feet and on and on and on and then finally laid his life down. That's love in action. That's open house living. That's what it's time for us to do, church. Open the doors and windows to let go and to let God. Let's pray.